0: Welcome to Reside by Sotheby's International Realty. I'm Eric Weinbrecht, your host and guide as we dive into the pages of Reside magazine to discover more about the incredible people, places, and brands featured within. Please be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to at Sotheby's Realty on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to experience incredible homes and stories from around the world. Without further delay, let's get started. Featured in the latest edition of Reside, in a roundup of Caribbean destinations, the Dominican Republic is home to a rich cultural history and a highly touted reputation for some of the world's favorite rum, chocolate, coffee, and golf. With me today to explore this incredible destination is Sergio Yac, President and CEO of Dominican Republic Sotheby's International Realty. How's it going, Sergio?
1: I'm doing great. When I this,
0: thank you, thank you again for taking the time to join me today. Um, the The article in the most recent edition of Reside is is you know feature features these incredible destinations in the Caribbean, and uh, and the Dominican Republic is is one of them. So you know, where do we start? You know, with all of the choices in the Caribbean, why the Dominican Republic? What makes it stand out?
1: I would say, my friend, it's the friendly people and the service provided. It's something that's not found on any other Caribbean nation, particularly because Spanish is our primary language. So that's what I would say. The people and the service that they offer.
0: Now, one of the things that you mentioned you know, when we, when we first started speaking, before we actually started rolling tape, uh, you, you told me to add golf into the, the description of the Dominican Republic. What makes golf so important there?
1: well first of all the teeth of the dog is the number one course in the entire Caribbean for countless years and just in our eastern side of the country that we must have at least 20 world-class golf courses Jack Nicklaus um, Pete Dye uh, Robert Trent Jones uh, you know, famous worldwide designers. People from all over the world come just to golf here.
0: And and you know that that kind of uh, ties well into into the magazine article. You know, it focuses mostly on on tourism and, and the people who vacation there. But what's what's full time life like in the in the DR?
1: full-time life down here is is great because the DR is not just a small country it's a very big nation and we have Santo Domingo just uh, an hour or so away with three million people and their symphonies and operas and culture and restaurants and out in the um, out in the east where are all the resorts you have the lifestyle that you want to live with the golfing with the weather you're around with the service you're around restaurants marinas shows you have everything everything you could possibly want from a United States or European standpoint, you have, with great weather year-round in the ocean, two steps Are away. you
0: finding that a lot of people are, are buying you know, their second or, or third homes in the DR, or, or are they really coming and living there full-time?
1: You know, it always starts out with, uh, let me buy it because we're going to use it a, a, a two or four weeks per year. And as families get into the culture and the lifestyle down there, it evolves into six months a year. The typical lifespan of a buyer in our part of the Dominican Republic can range anywhere from 10 to 30 or more years. So it's really interesting, it's fabulous actually. You know, everybody always wants oceanfront property, that's kind of like the dream for Caribbean buyers. But today it is almost impossible for me to find some great oceanfront property available because all the children and the grandchildren don't wanna sell the homes. <laughs> it is, I, I have an inventory issue.
0: Wow! Wow! So it's it's, you're having a legacy issue.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's true, and it's nice because you know the kids are like, no, you know, where are we going to go? Not only did we grow up here, and our kids are growing up here, but where is there that's anywhere better that offers everything we offer? So it's quite fascinating.
0: And and where do you find your buyers are coming from? Are they are they local? Are they natives? Or you know are they they coming from you know a specific place? Is there a specific feeder market?
1: that's one of the most interesting questions about uh, our our uh, market. Since Santo Domingo is an hour away, hour and a half away, I would say 50% of our buyers come from that mega feeder market, which is Santo Domingo, right in the country. And then the rest of the feeder markets are New York, uh, France, Spain, Canada, all over the world, because there are direct flights to Punta Cana and Santo Domingo from every major airline, and that's the key to any feeder market. So,
0: with with 2018 now, you know, well in the the rearview mirror, what's on the horizon for the Dominican Republic? What what's what's going on in, in 2019? What are you looking forward to?
1: From a Tourism and lifestyle point of view. I see it only getting better and better because as most pe- more people Learn the differences between for example the all-inclusive in Bavaro Punta Cana areas. They learn about the more upscale lifestyles in Certain areas of Punta Cana and La Romana. So I think it's just gonna grow the world doesn't know about Casa de Campo and the world doesn't know too much about the Resorts in Punta Cana, but every year they know more and more. So I think it can only get better and uh, as a as living there, more and more I hear. Gosh, I'd like to live here more. Gosh, I'd like to live here more. So I see it only positive Eric.
0: Well, thank you for taking the time to join me today. Um, you know, it, I think you've given everybody some insight into into uh, the Dominican Republic, and you know, maybe now you know people people will know Casa de Campo. <laughs>
1: Come to check us out. Uh, as we say here, mi casa, tu casa.
0: Excellent. Be sure to check out the article <laughs> on Sotheby's Realty.com to learn more about the Dominican Republic and the other destinations in the Caribbean. Thanks again, Sergio.
1: Thanks, Eric. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Ciao ciao. From the sandy beaches and warm escapes of the Caribbean, our journey takes us to Portland, Oregon, where the nightlife reflects the city's vibrant, varied, and incredibly diverse cultural reputation. Deb Tebbs, owner and CEO of Cascade Sotheby's International Realty, is here to take us out for a night on the town. Hi, Deb. Hi. How's everything going?
2: It's going great. How are you?
0: I'm doing okay. So uh, Portland was featured in the most recent edition of Reside Magazine, and uh, I figured uh, you'd be the the expert to talk to, right?
2: Well, I certainly know the city well.
0: <laughs> good, good. <laughs> so Portland is, is very much so in the, the vernacular of pop culture these days. Tell, tell me why so many people are going to Portland.
2: Well, I think it's a, a kind of a, a combination of a few things. Uh, first of all, it's a, it's just a flat outright foodie destination. So um, the diversity of, of cuisine is, is unending with food carts down to uh, you know, five-star restaurants and um, just a diverse food network. The other uh, thing that attracts people to Portland is the craft beer scene. So there are a myriad of breweries, and if, if beer's not your your gig, then there's the wineries that are all within an, an hour's drive from, from downtown.
0: You said craft beer, and I just started nodding my head. Yes, uh-huh. yes, yes. So, I, I mean, yes. if, if, the... The craft beer phenomenon and, and you know the the cultural importance of cuisine, that's something that uh, definitely becomes part of a city's DNA, but it's something that's part of many different cities' DNAs. What's what's something that really sets the city apart from other metropolitan cultural hubs in the United States?
2: Um, as far as the food and the beer or just the city itself? <laughs> just
0: in in general. In general. What's something that, that's general, that's unique okay. to Portland?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I've been to a lot of different cities and I think first of all it, to think about that Portland isn't a big city. It's a it's a it's a little city. I call it a baby city. It's really accessible to walk. So, you can walk, you know, from just about anywhere within the city and I know that that happens in a lot of different places, but it's it's the vibe. It's small. There are um, the biking, the walking—it's it's very easy, accessible um, areas. Lots of green belts, lots of water. Uh, you know, there it's a, a confluence of three or four different rivers that come together there. Um, you know, uh, the vibe of the people um, definitely laid back and um, uh, artsy. Very different than if you're in New York City or or uh, San Francisco, um, just a very different culture. Does
0: that make sense? Yeah, it, 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 uh, it sounds very varied. I'm getting this kind of, uh, and personally, I, I have not been to Portland, but I'm getting this, this vibe from you that it's kind of like a, um, a Brooklyn with more injections of nature around it.
2: That's spot on. And I think that, um, yeah, the park the park factor is a big deal. The the clean air, the recreation. And then it's got it's really diverse because they have all these little eclectic neighborhoods within the city. So there are a myriad of, of areas that you can choose to live in. Um, you know, starting from the Pearl District to Multnomah Village to the Beaumont area, um, Lake Oswego there, and all of those neighborhoods bring their own flavor to the city.
0: Okay, so they each have their own kind of unique fingerprint that that you know defines them.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and and they're all very diverse. If you're in the Pearl District, you're in a high-rise condo that. Uh, you know, it's overlooking the river and you're basically not driving anywhere. You're walking or biking. If you're in Lake Oswego, you're, you've got a beautiful home on the lake and that's um, a, a completely different setting and vibe. Um, if you're in Irvington or, or Northwest, you're in an area of homes that are older, and more established in kind of the original neighborhoods of the city.
0: So there's there's a lot to choose from. From churches converted into concert venues and and Twin Peaks-inspired lounges, um, the piece at Reside paints this very eclectic picture of, of Portland's nightlife that seems to kind of mirror the, the eclectic nature of the different neighborhoods. Um, what's your can't-miss spot?
2: My camp miss spot is Al's Den, and Al's Den is um, a part of McMinimums, which, again, was um, originally um, developed out of an old church, and it's this underground place, so you walk underneath in this kind of... Um, it's all bricks and dark, kind of a den-like, and there's uh, all different types of uh, live music going on down there, um, just real different types of music, too. The night I was there, it was kind of bluegrassy, um, but they've got different venues. Um, Hell Pele is a tiki bar, now, I recently voted number one tiki bar in America, and um, so that's a, a cool hip spot. And then the Vault Cocktail Lounge is kind of like a hidden gem in the Pearl District. And um, if you want to go there to have a, a real signature cocktail made up for you, that's the spot to go.
0: I have to say that my favorite part about doing this podcast so far is I'm learning about all these incredible cities that you know are very accessible f- for me to get to. And I, I keep having these these things added to my, um, I don't want to call it my bucket list, but you know a, a list of of uh, you know things to do every time I go into a new city.
2: Yeah, well, and I think that there's a kind of a saying in Portland. It says, uh, "Keep Portland weird," <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> it's very eclectic. It's eclectic and it's inclusive, and that's the vibe there. And it's it's really celebrated through the for the diverse culture of residents because it's an extremely diverse from tech to retirement to people who are developing their vineyards who are growing wine. I mean, it's just and then, you know, you're an hour away, you're at the you're at the Oregon coast or you're an hour away and you're up skiing in Mount Hood. So, it's just uh, the accessibility for so many different lifestyles are are all around.
0: Is there anything special coming to the city that we should keep an eye out for?
2: Well, I have heard and I don't know if it's clarified, but there's a group of investors including the Seahawks quarterback uh, Russell Wilson and his wife that are cry- trying to um, bring Major League Baseball to Portland. Ooh. It's the Portland Diamond Project, is what is what the uh,
0: website is around that. That sounds very cool. I'm a I'm a big baseball guy, so that's that's exciting. It's been a while since there's been an expansion with a new team, so that would be really cool.
2: Yeah, they do a lot with their Timbers. Their soccer, yep. the Timbers, but um, yeah, so that. That would be exciting for the city for sure.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today, Deb, and thanks for for keeping it weird. You bet, thanks for
2: having me on. See you in Portland. All right.
0: (laughs) Thanks, bye. Chef Jamie Malone had a busy 2018. Her year-old Minneapolis restaurant, The Grand Cafe, was named one of Food & Wine Magazine's best new restaurants of 2018. And her decadently high-end, French-inspired Chicken Liver Mousse Donut was named the magazine's 2018 Dish of the Year. On top of that, Chef Jamie and her business partner procured a second restaurant, Eastside, just this past October. Chef Jamie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's, it's, it's an honor to have uh, an award-winning chef on our, on our second episode of the podcast. <laughs> it's exciting for me, too. So, uh, I mean, what drew you to French cuisine?
3: I think um, I sometimes I liken it to the music that you fall in love with when you're young. Um, I kind of, most people, I think, you know, the music they first fall in love with when they're 14, 15, 16, they're sort of in love with forever. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about food. I first fell in love with French food and I'm, you know, one of the reasons I love food is you get to learn about all kinds of different cultures but uh, French food is my first love, so it it runs the deepest.
0: <laughs> and and you're uh, a, a native to Minneapolis, right? I am. So, so yeah. is, is there? I mean, how, how did French cuisine come up uh, in the culture there? Is that something that's inherent inherently special to Minneapolis?
3: Um, no, it's not. And you know, I went to Le Cordon Bleu, so I went to you know a traditional French culinary school. Um, but actually, uh, before my time, there were some French restaurants in Minneapolis. But when I was coming up, there weren't a lot of them, and I think that made it feel even more special and a little bit exotic. Especially the kind of French food that I like to cook, which is very old-fashioned and very, um, you know, very uh, traditional. So, so to me, it felt exotic. So,
0: so do you find ways to take the the traditionalist approach to French cuisine do you, do you find ways to kind of work in some of the city into that cuisine?
3: Um, you know I think the for me the most important way to do that is to create relationships with purveyors and you know so we have people who do flour locally obviously we're the mill city so that's kind of a a big thing here um, and we get a lot of produce locally that's kind of the biggest way to make the tie-in, but I'm not. I'm not one of those cooks who, who's hyper focused on um, the place where we're at. I'm kind of more in, interested in transporting our guests.
0: Where do you find the inspiration for your dishes?
3: You know, I think my inspiration uh, for food it comes through just experiences that have brought me pleasure and that I have loved and have stuck with me and impacted me. And so I always try to distill that within the personality of the restaurant. Um, you know, I get inspiration from really old cookbooks. There's just certain things that, you know, I'll read about or it's just like, Oh man, that's just elegant and stunning. And I just love everything about it. I love, you know, sometimes the necessity from which things came and then they're, you know created and then they're refined over generations to be this thing of elegance and art and that I just find incredibly beautiful but as far as you know for the restaurant I also I try to create dishes but I also try to create like a whole world everything about the restaurant is just kind of its own little world so we like to tie in everything not just the food.
0: So, so what do you, what do you mean by that? Like the the decor, the the music,
3: the decor, the style of service, the words we use. I've got a funny story. Actually, my business partner Nikki. Um, one day we were having a conversation and we were talking about exactly this. And I said, you know, we can, we can. Dig deeper into the words that we use on the on the dining room floor. And I meant to say. You know, if someone comes in for a reservation, instead of saying "great," we should say like "marvelous" because it feels kind of old world and unique. And instead of "marvelous," I said "marvel fluff." <laughs> <laughs> Weird. So that's forever our word. So it's "marvel fluff." We always joke around about that, but kind of things like that. Just trying to trying to um, put a lot of spotlight on the nuances. So,
0: so to lean on your word. Speaking of things that are that are marvel fluff. How, how did you come up with the with the award-winning donut? I, I, I've got to know.
3: <laughs> you know, it's um, it was a work in progress, and an old um, chef partner of mine, Eric Anderson, and I used to kind of do riffs on things with chicken liver all the time, and that was just one of the evolutions that it came into. Um, and it just really felt like, uh, you know, chicken liver is very old-fashioned and very rich, and can be kind of boring and feel a little maybe grandma-ish, which I do like. But uh, this felt like a really fun, a super fun uh, evolution of it. I like incorporating pastry techniques into savory food. So we use something called luster dust for the glaze. So it's like sparkly and glittery. And it's got all those kind of whimsical qualities of a French pastry, but it's savory.
0: Very interesting. I mean, I I have a very... um adventurous palate as i as i'm told i i I constantly love to try new things in the moment i i read that in in both food and wine and in reside magazine i just i i've got to try it i've got to get out to minneapolis (laughs) to try it i absolutely have to you mentioned that chicken liver feels kind of like grandma ish and and that that gets me thinking how does a background like yours where you have you know this this deep and and you know uh kind of like all-encompassing love for food but you also have this professional training how does that differ you from those who are who are brought up in the kitchen and you know they kind of cut their teeth you know with their grandma standing next to them and you know holding their hands and things like that
3: yeah that's a good question um you know i think most cooks even who have gone through culinary school uh really the way you do cut your teeth is either in the kitchen or you probably do have some sort of uh, deeper history, growing up with food, um, which I think both are the same for me. I think the big difference with culinary school is you really have a concentrated time to focus on foundational techniques.
0: So, I mean, 2018 has been an absolutely whirlwind of a year. It seems like for you, with you know everything that you have going on and you know we're we're just getting into february of uh, of 2019 so what what do you think this year has in store for you
3: uh you know just we've got two restaurants now and we've got a great team and we're just going to put our heads down and um work on making everything better and more fun and more magical
0: no rest for the wicked right exactly (laughs) well thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast Uh, be sure to visit Chef Jamie the next time you're in Minneapolis and experience her unforgettable culinary creations thanks again Chef Jamie
3: thank you so much for having me
0: thanks again to Sergio Deb and Chef Jamie for taking the time to be with us today thanks also to Stephen Connolly behind the board and all of you for listening don't forget to subscribe to the Reside by Sotheby's International Realty podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're craving more Reside, visit sothebysrealty.com/reside for more from this and previous issues of the magazine. Until next time.